This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's a Guy Jeans podcast. My next guest, you guys, is Lance Lopez. If you guys have never heard of Lance Lopez, you got to check him out. He's an American blues rock and Texas blues singer, guitarist, and songwriter. He's a shredder, you guys. Check out his YouTube channel and uh, check out some of his uh, albums. It's pretty impressive. He's been influenced by Jimi Hendrix, B.B. King, and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And Jeff Beck has described him as a very exciting and intense blues guitarist. He's spoken over the years about being mentored by both Billy Gibbons and Johnny Winters. You guys got to listen to this one. This guy's a shredding guitar player. So here he is, you guys, Lance Lopez. Lance, how you doing? I'm good, guy. Thank you so much for having me. You bet, man. Thanks for being on my podcast. I, I've been researching you, man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> I've been checking you out, man. You rip. Okay, cool. You're, you actually uh, blew my mind, man. When I was listening to your music and seeing some of your videos and stuff, I was like, yeah. man, this guy tears it up. I was oh, super thank stoked. Thank you so much, guy. Thank you so much, man. Really, that's a big compliment. Thank you. Thank you. So, so folks that, um, you know, out here in, uh, in California may not know who you are. Could you give like a little uh intro to like who you are and, and what you do absolutely and, yeah. and you know I, I just got back from california as a matter of fact you did i love i love it out there yeah i was in i was in uh socal for a few shows there with cadillac zach and uh we had some great we had some great shows we did together and uh yeah i just got a matter of fact just got back i think we're planning on trying to come out there and do some soon but yeah i just played in la with uh uh, Robbie Krieger from the Doors came and sat in with us. As a matter of no fact, no way. So, That's so. So cool. we love we love California. I've been playing there for many many years. But uh, I'm a, I'm originally from Texas. I grew up in Texas. I was born in Louisiana. I grew up in Texas. Uh, the style of music I play is is blues rock or uh, very Texas influenced blues rock. Um, I was mentored and 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 had the privilege to play with and know uh, most of the greats that. Uh, kind of forged the path in Texas blues rock. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, yeah, I've been making records now for quite some time since the late 90s. And, 
this is this is uh, my tenth studio album I just made called Trouble Is Good that we just put out on Cleopatra Records. I'm really excited about it. So, uh, you know, I'm a blues rock artist, and this album is is more emphasis on the rock. Nice. You know, uh, I always ask uh, musicians um, when they're on my show, and I'm just going to ask you right off the bat. I usually ask it at the end of the show, but right, what's right. the craziest thing that's ever happened to you, man, while you're on stage, while you're playing? You know, I, I know you've done what's sh- the, what's, shows all over the world, but like, can you think yeah, of yeah. like think of a crazy thing that's happened to you? The craziest thing that's ever happened to me while I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotcha. <laughs> oh man, this is how we're starting out. Huh? Yeah. I'll Absolutely, man. Let's hear it. <laughs> I love <Woo>! it. <laughs> oh man, I don't there. Wow, I'm just trying to think. Going back over my entire life. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard some funny ones, man. Oh my, oh my god. God, the craziest thing that's ever happened to me while on stage. I don't know. There's so many good ones. I yeah. mean, there's <laughs> just running over the decades and yeah. the many the many different countries, the many different oh, venues. I know there's some good ones. I know there's some good ones, man. I mean, you know, it ran, it runs the gamut. Everything yeah. from you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I oh my gosh, just you know, <laughs> signing the club owner's you know wife boobs. Yeah, to, yeah you know, yeah. guys put a hundred dollar bill in the in the in the tip jar. You know, wanting you to play his wife a song and getting pissed off. I mean, it just runs the gamut. Oh no way. Oh, oh there's funny. so many. I mean, I don't know. One of the one of the crazy, one of the most funniest things was I remember playing years ago. This probably was on the first first couple of tours we did in Europe, and um, we played a club in Antwerp, Belgium. And I didn't, you know, I was in my early twenty. I dude, I thought I look back on it now. I was just a kid, man. You know? Yeah. And we were carrying around like I had one van that just literally carried the Marshalls, and I think there was like another van <laughs> for the rest of the band. Awesome. You know, we're playing these little tiny places too, which is was hilarious. You know, and uh, and I went in there with a big wall of Marshalls, and uh, and the club owner was this very astute, aristocratic, like very elite, very wealthy Belgian lady. And uh, and I remember we started the show, and we came out just roaring. You know, and uh, it was hilarious. And and I remember, and she was like walking around and, and was the hostess of the party and had everybody entertained. And then we started and she just had this look of terror. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> and she had like the pearls and the black dress and the gloves and the whole yeah. thing, you know. And a uh, little old blonde lady, you know, with the wine glass. And then she runs to the front of the stage and she goes, Linz. It is so loud, man. I am traveling through time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So oh we God. just we, we laughed for years after that. So is there a big difference playing in Europe versus uh, the U.S.? Oh, absolutely. What's absolutely. the difference? Well, I think that, you know, blues and blues rock, man, I, you know, I just think ever since the beginning of blues music, it just always was embraced as an exotic imported good from the united states to okay. that culture i think it was always uh you know how exotic imported goods are highly sought after like certain spices from the orient or yeah other things etc you know supply and demand like if i can't if i can't have it now i really want it you know what i mean uh-huh. and i think that was the th- I, I feel like it's just in my 
perspective of just and having and having been a scholar of it my entire you know over beyond well over half my life i mean since i was literally 12 years old you know yeah. uh I've, I've literally been a scholar of, of the music and so tracing the origin from and i don't want to get all weird and historical and too history nerd for you no but like to to, tr to travel the to, to to trace the origin and travel from west africa beginning in senegal and mali and all those different like the desert blues kind of you know the where you had artists like ali farkaturi and Tanari Wynn and these certain sort of African artists that still have the remnants of what the original blues was. I mean, if you go back and listen to Ali Fargaturi, the his recordings that we we have left now, and his son, you know, uh, all the, the Fargaturi family, you hear kind of where the beginnings, origins were, and then tracing that to the American South, over to you know the the, the from the slave trade how it was then morphed into the, the blues that we had of, of the South and Mississippi, then translated up to Chicago with the electric blues, then became, then became the export to overseas. And that's where you had the record companies coming in, even from as far back as the, uh, you know, as all the Delta and country blues. But you had all those records beginning to then finally make their way to England and Europe 30 years after they were made. You know, which is crazy. That would be like us, them receiving music that was made, you know, that, that'd be like them getting Black Hole Sun for the first time. Right, now. right. You know, so you have to think about that in those terms, that they were finally getting Robert Johnson 30 years after Robert Johnson recorded those records. So, you know, and then to be retranslated back to America via, you know, the, 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 the young British blues and then, the beginning of blues rock. And, and I believe that is where the beginning of blues rock began. And, and it really began. And I felt like in, in England, it also, it also began in Chicago with Michael Bloomfield, Paul Butterfield, uh, you know, and those guys like that. And then down in Texas with Johnny winter and the winter brothers. So <clears throat> I feel like you had that whole big exportation import export. So I believe that's when it began was, was the exportation of the music as an exotic, product and then it being retranslated back to us so you know um it's just always been held in high regard it's just always been amazing to be so appreciated and loved there and uh to, to be able to go and play on big stages there has always been such a great gift and a blessing and a privilege so yeah. you know the culture it's just been embraced as a mainstream music over there and so when you are you when you're going over there are you playing and playing to a lot bigger crowds and it's just uh, it's just received like that, and it varies. I yeah. mean, it varies from country to country. You know, okay. it's, it's it, for me, it's so interesting because I really had to view it as like, and, and no disrespect to the European culture or their or their, you know, or or their sovereignties, but it's like for me, I had to like look at it, especially when the EU, because I was touring over there back in the '90s before it was the EU, and it was like you know you had each country, and so it it literally was like each state it'd be like if alabama spoke one language and mississippi spoke a different language okay you know or right. or ten tennessee spoke of one language and ten texas spoke a different language right. i had to start looking at it as in terms of like these are like states and so certain states like texas we had great success germany we had great success you know i mean it yeah. was like that's how we had to look at it i had to like really wrap my head around it to really that helped me kind of compartmentalize it and really kind of put it more into focus and perspective and look at it in those terms and not so much like it was this far away, big giant thing that right. was so different. So it was just like, I had to, I had to view it like state to state. Some states like Florida, we do better in than we would do in say, 
wherever, you know, yeah. Idaho. I don't, I don't know, yeah, yeah. you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, you know, that's how we had to look at, 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 at that. And then also, too, like I said, what also helps there is that that culture has embraced blues and blues rock as a mainstream music. So, And you've been doing that since you were young, man. Since you were like 18, you've been going over there, right? Is that right? Oh, yeah. 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 That's my first tour as I was 18 years old over there. It sure was. Were yeah. you just tripping, man, when you went over there? <laughs> You're 18 years oh, old. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, it was, it was crazy. Oh, my God. I mean, I went over with Lucky Peterson. And, uh, you know, I had been doing, like, Chitlin Circuit gigs with Johnny Taylor and Little Milton and Bobby Blaine. You know, whoever needed me, you know. And I'd get yeah. a call from the office, and they'd go, we're going out with Little Milton this weekend. And I'd go out with Milton. I'd go out with Bobby Bland. I'd go out with all these different people. And and also coming home and playing with all of our local soul blues, mm-hmm. le- blues legends in, in Dallas and everywhere else. So I'd come home and do that, too. So, uh, you know, when Lucky called me, um, I think his guitar player either got a gig with Kirk Franklin or Sheila E or some big like pop funk, big, huge gig. And he left and uh, and I got the call. And it was like immediate. It was like it, it was like day within. It was a matter of days, just like the other gig. I mean, but at least I had a little bit more time to prep, and I at least knew the band guys, and they were all friends of mine. And okay, we were always hanging and jamming. So I and I knew what the show was like. I mean, I hung with the band and was always around. That's why they called me. Uh, you know, right. that's why they, that's why they because I was part of the circle. I knew the show. I knew what the show was like, and it wasn't going to take me long. So we took off and we did. Um. We drove straight from Dallas to Toronto, Canada. Like, oh my <laughs> that was God. right off. We <laughs> took, got in a van with a U-Haul trailer and drove straight to Toronto and played the Dumarier Jazz Festival with the Blues Brothers with, like, no rehearsal. And I went, okay. And I've done a bunch of blues festivals around, you know, like, okay, uh-huh. a blues festival. This is cool. And then we did a couple other, uh, we did, like, two more festivals in Canada. And then we went down to the East Coast and did a bunch of blues clubs, like, all in New England and, you know, with the you know, we're the, the area that has always supported the blues. And we went down all through, you know, New England and, and, and New York and New Jersey. And then we got to, to JFK and it was like, all right, guys, going to Europe. And I'd never been to Europe. You know, and I went to the ho- and went to the airport bar, did three or four shots of whiskey, got on the plane. was like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Europe. <laughs> you know? And, and man, we got, and I get over there and like, you know, we land in Paris. I can't read any of the signs. Yeah. I'm like freaked out. <laughs> and then we drive to the South of France, you know, and I, we go to the French Riviera and we get out and we do this gig and there's 25,000 people in an no way. It's like, it's like, it's like Red Rocks in the South of France. Wow. I mean, literally it was like an identical image of Red Rocks, except in, in a French Riviera. And I, I think we were in Marseille. Uh-huh. I think we were, I think that's that's probably we were in Mar- Mar- Marseille or Montpellier or one of those places like that in the south of France, and yeah, man, it was like holy shit. I looked out there, I was like, you didn't tell me. Sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to cuss. I didn't oh, that, no, all good, on. all good, man. Just- okay, so I just was like, I, I was like, I looked out and I went, dude, twenty five thousand people, bro. Like, are you like, you know? So <laughs> I thought we were, I thought we were going to play a bunch of little jazz clubs and yeah. pubs and. You know, France. I didn't, you know, I didn't even pay attention to the itinerary. I was like, we're just going to go play some blues gigs. And it was like these yeah. massive shows. So 
you know, and then, yeah, and then the next day we were at the Nice Jazz Festival with Jimmy Vaughn and Little Richard, and I, like, got on the beach, and no girls were wearing sh- tops. <laughs> and I was, like, an 18-year-old kid on the beach, and no girls, every girl had, didn't have a bikini top on, and I was like, is this... Is this real? I don't know if, I don't know if this is okay or not. Like, should I be here? <laughs> What's it like? What's it like uh, playing in front of that many people, man? What's that? What's that energy like? Oh man, it's just it's it's just so exhilarating, man. I mean, yeah. it's just inspiring. It's 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 uh, you know, the thing that it does for me is it it really just uh, you know it, it feeds it feeds it gives me more to get back, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. And I and I do that no matter what, even if I'm playing my guitar, if there's five people or fifty thousand people. Yeah, you know, it, it's still like I can draw as much energy off those five people as I could about could off fifty thousand. Yeah, I just feel like it is a little bit more supercharged. You know, I have gone out, gone out and done big, you know, gigs. We were out many years ago with a couple of big rock bands doing some soccer stadiums in Europe, and uh, you know, we we would go out on stage and 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 everything would be just way too fast. You know, and I would have to, the, the, I would have the band to was playing too fast. Oh yeah, and I would have to. I was running all the way back, all a hundred yards back to the drummer. Dude, <laughs> slow know. down! You know, running all the way back, they're going, dude, dude. You know, because they're so like charged up. They're oh, like walking yeah. out there, and it's just the adrenaline. And I would have to slow everybody down and just keep pulling the band back and go, dude, you guys are playing way too fucking fast, man. Like slow yeah. down. Yeah. And uh, and the same with me. And then also too, I remember running out there, being so charged up, side of the stage, just ready to go. And I remember running out on one huge big show. And then I'm like, they're like, you know, they announced me, and I'm running out, and I'm like, nothing is working, and I'm like stepping on pedals, <laughs> turning the guitar, I'm like, oh my god, I'm running around in circles, and I'm screaming at Tex, and I'm like, dude, my rig is blown, oh no. <laughs> And like, and the bass player and drummer are like still playing. There's like 15 people on my guitar rig, and then the tour manager standing there holding my guitar cable, going, "Dude, you didn't plug your guitar in." Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Everybody's tripping. Oh. It was like because because that, that adrenaline, man. You know, yeah. just going out on the big stages like this. So just funny stuff like that. That's yeah. another one that could be added to the craziest things that ever happened. Oh, for sure. Is, do you like before you go on stage in front of like people? Do you still get like a little little nervous or a little jittery or just kind of excited absolutely. to get out there? You, oh, absolutely, no, yeah. absolutely, man, all yeah. the time. No, absolutely, it's it's a thing, man. Like, yeah, I remember standing on again. I remember being at a festival with you know in Dallas. It, it, it was one of my biggest heroes. Like we had a big storm coming in, and they were watching Doppler radar, and they were getting ready to close out the show, and it was going to be this big legendary moment. And they were watching that radar the whole time. And I mean, this guy, like in my eyes and everybody back there was like the dude that invented this shit, you know? <laughs> and, so, and to watch him walking around in circles, nervous. And I even went over there and I was like, dude, are you nervous? And he just leveled me. And he was like, dude, like if you're not nervous before you play, like something is like literally wrong with you. Right. He's like, if you're not nervous, like you're not, he's like, that's not the kind of people that I want to be around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it made so much sense to me. I mean, yeah. I just went, wow. Because I, I have been around people that aren't nervous before they play, and it's like hard to be in the room with them. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to be in the room with them. And I mean, I get it to where you have confidence and all that, but there's yeah. to be okay, guys. Look, like, let's make sure we're on it. And do you I think, understand feeling good about the show. But, you know, yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, um, 
you know, the nervousness is like you want to do good. You know, you want to you want right. to perform for your fans and do a great job, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. That's the whole exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I get it, man, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. I, I can't imagine, man, that that energy coming back, you know, with that many people and just everybody's just so stoked. And they're just, uh -huh. you know, they're just giving you that energy and stuff. Must be like a big high when you're done with the show and you're back backstage. It must must take a while to come down. <laughs> it, it does, man. Yeah. It, it does. And, you know, I learned from being on the road with Jeff Beck when I was a kid back then as well was to get space. Jeff Beck, that was one of the most valuable lessons he ever taught me was when you come off stage. Because he watched me come off stage and then he watched me just get like dogpiled by people. <laughs> and, he, and he watched my own team he watched my own team and he watched fans just grab me and uh and, and just drag me you know different directions yeah and so he he kind of you know and, and he was kind of like you know and i'd watch him go off and have his you know get his space and have a champagne or a beer and then take a minute and then come out and talk to everybody and he was like yeah, you need to be doing. You need to be doing the same thing. So I learned the value of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. So talk to me about your songwriting and and how you how you went about writing this new record of yours and uh, the ten tracks on it and whatnot. How's that? How did that go down? Um, <clears throat> we went. It went down pretty uh, pretty interestingly. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Very interestingly, we had. Uh, we had, uh, I started to work with uh, Joey Sykes, uh, who's a songwriter and producer out in LA about 10 years ago or more, uh, when I was working with a band called the, the Supersonic Blues Machine. Uh, okay. We met during that time, and he had written some songs for that band, as well as my solo record I did with that same kind of conglomerate. Uh, <clears throat> and so... Uh, after that album, I did two records with that band and, and a solo record, and he had, he had cuts on all, all those records. And uh, after, that, after that last record came out, I toured about another year on it, and then, I, uh, and then I took a break. I took a long break to refocus on my wellness and my health, and I moved to Nashville with the divorce. Okay. And I came here, and, uh, and, I, and I took a big break, and then after my break, I went out, I went over to Little Rock. I was living in Nashville. I went over to Little Rock and did a show for the Arkansas River Blues Society. And they reached out to me and they said, man, we want to do a, a, you know, a show. And, and, um, and Kingfish Ingram was involved. He had signed a guitar and donated it and, and for a giveaway and et cetera. And uh, I was like, yeah. So I, once I announced that show, then, then more offers came out that I announced that I'd been, I was back playing again. And uh, and so Joey Sykes reached out and said, "Hey, let's uh, let's me and you make a record. I'm excited. You live in Nashville now. Let's do this." And um, so we started to exchange some ideas. We had songs left over that didn't make it on those last records. So we had a lot of material to work with, and I had material that I'd begin working with when I moved to uh, when I moved to Nashville. So uh, what I ended up doing was. Um, you know, we started to exchange ideas and we had offers come in from Scandinavia and Europe and then bang, COVID hit. Wow. So we just, we were like, oh man. And I, I was like in total denial. I didn't even think it was real at first for like the first right. two weeks. So I was like, this <laughs> yeah. is not real. This is not happening. It's going to be like, this is not, this is not a thing. It's like a couple of days. It'll be good. Yeah. 
And I was like business as usual. And everybody was like, no, Lance, Europe is shut down. This and that. And I just couldn't believe it. And it was like, dude, I just taken this big, long break. <laughs> and then like, I was ready to play again and all this happened. So, so it just shifted me. And that was the whole point of the title. Trouble is good. This trouble then pushed me into getting a home recording rig. It pushed me into, I started working on tube amps and repairing and really delving into something I had already started. And I designed a couple of amps with some great amp builders and, uh, I got way more hands-on and began repairing guitar amps here in Nashville and like really dug in and just refocused my energies. And then yeah. at the same time, I started making this record and I was recording at home and, you know, and that's how we started doing it. We started exchanging ideas and then we piecemealed it together and then we'd send a track to a drummer and he'd play drums on it. We sent it to a bass player, he'd play bass on it. And we had iconic musicians show up and start playing on the tracks like Greg Bissonette and Bobby Rondinelli and Brian Titchy and, you know, on and on and on, you know, Jurgen Carlson and Danny Miranda. We had all these great, great iconic musicians show up to play. That's awesome. And, um, you know, and, and we, I was just so grateful for it. And, you know, that was the whole point of it too, was that, you know, it was hard times. So we wanted to really, you know, have some hard rock. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. It's one thing. It was one thing to have the blues. I mean, we all, you know, and that was the thing that COVID did is that it, we all got to experience the blues. Like, if you didn't have the blues, you had it when COVID happened. <laughs> oh, for sure, man, for sure. You know what I'm saying? So oh, that's absolutely. how we. That's how we got through it, man. And so we just piecemealed it together with all of our good friends, and then, um, yeah, and then it just came out the way that it did, and and I was really, really pleased by it, man. Great musicians, great engineers. You know, we had just. Every, you know, just everybody came together perfectly. So when you're, when you guys are like you and your buddy are doing, uh, the, the actual songs and piecing it together, are you just like making up like the riffs and, and the chords and, and you got, he's playing on top of that or how does that go? Like, are you, yeah, are you just kind I mean, of making we, it up as you're going along? Yeah, both. We kind of have, we have, uh, we exchange the ideas in, the fa in a manner of where he'll have like a chord, a chord structure and he'll yeah. send me. He'll send me a song. He'll send yeah. me like, here's, you know, E minor, C, G, and D, yeah. you know, and he'll write, he'll write, and then he'll send me that. And then I'll go, well, let's add this bridge with A minor, C, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And send that back to him. You know what I mean? And then we go back and we get a, a progression. Okay, now we need some lyrics. Well, you work on some, I'll work on some. Well, yeah. I like this line, but I don't like that line. Well, I like this. Well, here, try to sing it this way. I'd oh. cut a vocal, send it. No, 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 change this. Okay, back so it's, it was a huge process like that. In the meanwhile, while the lockdown was happening. So that That's cool. kept, kept me from going completely Cr insane because <laughs> yeah. I was working on songs like that way as, as opposed to like really focusing on that the world was crashing down around us. You know, I was like yeah. still working on songs. Yeah. Musicians, you know? musicians had a hard time, man. No, nowhere to play and good time to write. Absolutely. And yeah. I was, you know, I was writing this record and I was repairing guitar amps. So that, that's what I was doing. <laughs> oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, that's what I did. I mean, everybody else was live streaming and they had no gigs. And I was like working at the biggest amplifier shop here in Nashville. And most of all, the celebrity artists here in town had like closets full of warehouses, full of broken gear that they went, you know what? It's time to go ahead and get these 60 amps we've had broken for 10 years repaired. Send them over there to the shop. And so we'd literally get in truck fulls of stuff, you know, from wow. all these big touring bands. And I sat there and just tore apart Fender Twins and Marshalls. And, you know, I became the Fender Marshall guy over there. So I was redoing Marshall heads and, 
it was fun, man. It was it was a blast. I was changing speakers. I was working on a lot of Joe Bonamassa's stuff, Jerry James Nichols. I mean, all of our contemporaries, all my you know friends, and lots of huge big country artists. I was working on all their gear. It was a lot of fun. Wow. What's the name of this album? Trouble is good. Trouble is good. And where can people find it? Uh, it's available on uh, all your streaming outlets. Okay. Um, you know, Apple, Apple Music, iTunes, you know, iTunes and Spotify, and all the all their usual suspects. And then uh, you can get them on Amazon. And then Cleopatra okay. Records is doing a limited edition orange vinyl. So yeah, there it's available at, at all media outlets right now. How'd you hook up with uh, Cleopatra? I met them through uh, uh, John Lappin, who I met uh, at Johnny Winter's birthday party uh, at, about 10 years ago, nine or 10 years ago. Um, and he had been working with Johnny. Uh, I met, uh, hooked up with Cleopatra through uh, John Lappin, who I met at Johnny Winter's 70th birthday party about nine or 10 years ago, man. He. Uh, he was representing Johnny Winter and uh, and Edgar Winter, and okay. uh, we we met. And um, I actually went on a session <clears throat> in which I mixed a session uh, for Billy Gibbons and Johnny Winter. Wow! Um, on Johnny's record, uh, was it "Get Back"? I can think it was the title of it. I was never credited for it. It won a Grammy. Uh, the producer never uh, credited me on the track, but I, there's photo, photos of uh, Brendan Mulrooney and myself at Carriage House Studios in Connecticut mixing it. Um, so, yeah, we, we got some photos from the sessions. And that went on to win a Grammy, and it was the, all, the one and only recording that Billy Gibbons and Johnny Winter ever did together, and I, no I mixed way. it. Oh, that's cool, man. <clears throat> so uh, we met that that day, and then uh, I ended up putting out a live album that that night before at Johnny Winter's birthday party had been recorded, and so a couple of years later we put out a live and NYC record, and uh, and so that's how I, I began my relationship with him. We put that record out. We had a great working relationship. Uh, the president of the label and I uh, were were good friends, and we had. Uh, a couple of great hangs in Hollywood back in the day and uh, their whole team would come see me play when I played in Los Angeles uh, several times and they totally understood my music. I mean, they, and, and you know, the benefit of Cleopatra records is that they're probably the only record label that ever came to see me play live before they signed me. You know, most other really? labels I've ever been on, signed me and then saw me play live after oh really and so cleopatra came and they saw me play and then signed me to a deal after they saw me play and they got the music and they totally understood the influence and they totally understood you know where i was coming from yeah. and uh and so that's how we did it you know cool. uh, so that's how they that's how we ended up doing the the deal you know, so well is that we just all got along so great and they totally got the music. Awesome. What's it like living in Nashville? Oh man, it's great. I got all our good friends are here. All the, all our good guitar playing buddies are all here. Uh, is it just like a great. music, music place? Like you just go there and it's just full of clubs, people playing music. Is that what, that's what I picture anyways. It is. It definitely is for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And are you playing in some of those clubs at all like down in down in the downtown area? No, I don't. I, I don't. I've helped a few friends out and gone yeah. down there and play. And I'll go down there and sit in with some friends of mine if they're down there playing. I'll go down there and sit in. Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, I usually play over in East Nashville uh, at the old underdog. That's kind of our normal hang over there. Uh, you, it's a great guitar player room and great guitar player hang. We also played the Roadside Bar and Grill quite a bit here in town, and a couple other little spots we got around here that we like to play at, like the East Side Bowl, and and a couple others around Pop Attorney's Barbecue out on the lake. So we got our little, awesome. we, got our, <laughs> we got our little, we got our, we got our little, uh, you know, our little hangs here. But yeah, Pop Attorney's and, and East and uh, and the Underdog have kind of turned out to be some of our faves. Dude, it looks like you got some shows coming up, right? Yeah, we yeah. got uh, we've that. got some touring starting uh, Labor Day. We, we're we're going to really jump off the tour. We're really excited about August 29th. We're doing the official album launch here at the Gibson Garage uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're partnering with Gibson Guitars. And uh, sweet, we're we're planning a special little party to have to really to really showcase the record and kind of announce the uh, release in a very formal way with Gibson. Where, where are you going to be going? Is I, I saw that it was like in oh on the tour. Yeah. We're, we're doing. We're starting in Florida and then back into Texas and Louisiana, uh-huh. and then uh, and then we're going up to the Midwest in the fall, and then uh, the Midwest and the East Coast in the fall, and then we're back down south after the first of the year, and then uh, looking like we got some overseas things happening back to the East Coast and West Coast. So oh. Specific, uh, specific, <laughs> Pacific Northwest, and I think we're actually coming out to California. In yeah, too, so. oh, in the summertime, next summer. Yeah. No, December. Oh, in December. Okay. Do you know where? Yeah, that, do you know where the, that's going to be at? Towards. Uh, we don't have the schedule yet. It's okay. coming in. We should have it in the next. Uh, but you can find all that at lancelopez.net on the tour dates. Lancelopez.net. Dot net. Yeah, that's yeah. the easiest way to find it under our tour dates button. We okay. have all our tour dates listed. Yeah. Okay. Where else can people find you if they want to check out your music and all that kind of stuff? Is, uh, YouTube. Uh, I, uh, I know you got yeah, some videos and stuff. Yeah, YouTube. We just have two new videos come out. One called Jam With Me. The other one's called uh, Uncivil War. Those are both live on YouTube now at the Cleopatra Records, uh, at Cleopatra Records channel. Nice. Um, also can follow us on IG uh, at Lance Lopez Guitarist and Facebook is Lance Lopez Band and Lance Lopez TX. Nice. We're really easy to find. Yeah, just hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a follow. Follow us on Instagram. Give us a shout out. We yeah. will follow you back. We'll, you know, we were very interactive on all those platforms. Dude, I, I, I got to tell people, man, if you guys haven't seen Lance Lopez, um, or heard his music or his videos you guys gotta go check it out man and and see him support him his music is excellent he's a ripping guitar player lance thanks for being on my podcast buddy thank you so much guy look forward to seeing you soon man yeah man take care out there i'll see you out there you too man take care okay bye-bye it's a guy jeans podcast legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment four in the morning red eye. 
Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.